Sunday, July 9th, episode 11 of the Dome Foamers podcast. I'm Christian Kruger, joined by Neil Miefke, and we have a special guest tonight. We're just lifelong Astros fans who love talking about the Astros. So, boys, let's go. Episode 11, Dome Foamers are back. I would like first to say that we have a special guest, and it's Larry the GM. I first want to say, Larry, thanks for joining us. I know we've talked. Um, I appreciate you coming on, spending your time with us. Uh, Guys, for a reference standpoint, it's where I get a lot of my stuff because Larry, everything Larry has on his website, on social medias, on Twitter is data-driven. And um, he's a former engineer. I'm not, and neither is Neil. So that no tells case. you that he's, he's in the, da- the, the data really well. And I, I have used a lot of his stuff where it came to a point where I just reached out to Larry and said, let's talk. And so, Larry, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me come in and join you and, and fill in and be a dome foamer for a night. No, you're, 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 you'll be honorary. You're dome foamer for good now. <laughs> Neil, I know, you, I, know you had, I know you had a special something you wanted to shout out, so I'm going to kick it to you real quick. Yeah, hey, I just wanted my daughter, Carly, it's her 15th birthday today, and she uh, she's fired up, and we're on vacation, and so I uh, just want to tell her I love her, and happy birthday to Carly. Happy birthday, Carly. Happy birthday. Take care of your dad when he's old. Please. All right. Weekly record, four and three. We're going to talk about, you know, the Monday game against the Rangers, two wins against lowly Colorado, and then we ended with six runs and 19 hits in four games against the Mariners. I'm not not a way to end the week. We'll get into that, but I'm going to stay positive because we're 50 and 41 at the All-Star break, two games back from the team up north. That's where we stand. Two weeks ago, if you would have told me we would be two games back at the All-Star break, break, I would have taken it. Absolutely. So I'm going to stay um, ultra positive with that, which we'll get into. But as always, we do the temperature check. So Mieski, we're at the break. The Astros don't play till next or this coming Friday. What are your thoughts? Where are we at? Well, we're. I'm extremely hashtag blessed that the All-Star break because after watching these last four games, and, and, and I went to the Thursday game, you know, uh, got the fabulous opportunity to watch Blanco again. And, uh, man, the, like you said, I mean, the, the, the Texas series gave you hope. The Colorado series is what it should have been. And then the Seattle series with uh, – <laughs> I mean, I, I guess there's somebody we need to keep track of in, in some ways, but uh, that, that was obviously frustrating, like you said. I mean, we scored, what would you say, five runs in, in four games? Six, six, six runs and 19 hits in four games. Yeah, and apparently Maldonado, uh, I, newsflash, it just came across the ticker that he's going to be in the uh, home run derby, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I sh- so I, again, I, I'm 
you know, like I said last week, I'm, I'm not, I'm not jumping ship one way or the other on this deal. Um, you know, with Altuve and without Jordan, we are who we are and it's not a very offensive team. And, uh, you know, hats off to our pitching staff again, because they somehow, I mean, I don't know how, but somehow they're, they're, they're keeping us relevant. And I'm not saying that they're amazing and, and whatnot, but they're keeping us relevant and, and I appreciate that aspect of it. But when it's all said and done, um, you know, I, the, the expectations just aren't as high when you don't have Altuve and, and Jordan. So you're going four and three. Okay. I mean, if we get to play Colorado in the, in the playoffs, uh, I'll take it. But, uh, you know, if we get to play Seattle, that's a little, little scary. So who we are right now is who, who, who we won't be in one month. And I think I told you, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, August 1st. And I think Larry, you, you, one of your articles referenced that as well, just that who this ball club will be in, in a few handful of weeks. Very, very interesting. You know, where, where we are in August 1st, August 2nd, what that looks like is going to be something that I'm, I'm anticipating, and I think all Astro fans kind of are in that that spot right now to where we're looking forward to what are we going to do? What is Dana Brown going to do about this ball club, and where's our health? And obviously, you know, last week we kind of talked about uh, Michael Brantley and where he falls. Well, he's off the table. He's done. So, you know, and, and there goes my scenario of, of maybe not needing a bat and after watching the Seattle series, good grief. We, there, there needs to be something, right? And, and Jordan and Altuve, obviously, bat-wise are, are a factor. But, you know, do we need more than that? I, I, that's, that's up for discussion that I'm sure we'll get into. But that's where I am. Uh, good, not great. Looking forward to the break. Hopefully our, our arms get some rest, our guys get some rest, and we come back and hit the road in uh, L.A., in Colorado, and Seattle on, on the after the break. All right, Larry. What are so your thoughts? Pris- What's your Christian, temperature check? Christian and Neil, I feel like I'm watching a Rocky movie, <laughs> but I'm not sure which one I'm watching. Who are we, Ivan Drago? Or- <laughs> are we Ivan Drago? Are we, are we Apollo Creed? Is that is that good? <laughs> I mean, so I don't, I, you know, but it feels like a Rocky movie because we we're getting put on our behind plenty plenty of times during the season, and somehow we keep getting up, keep getting up, and at some point, maybe we're gonna throw a left hook and just knock somebody out, and. You know, we'll get into it, but I was kind of hoping we could do that this month with a couple of our division mates. And you know, I we well, let's just say we we missed the first left left hook on the Seattle Mariners this 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 week. So I, you know, I, I you know, I, I think if you and I think they talked about this on the broadcast. If you had told everybody, well, okay. Everybody told me in January that we were going to be better than last year, and I and I scoffed at that. And and then and but if I think if you told everybody like a couple weeks into the season 
we're going to be right there with the Rangers. Here's all these things are going to happen. We're going to lose all these players. Brantley's never going to play this year. I think we would be okay being two games down from the Rangers because everybody is full of hubris thinking that the Rangers are going to fade. I mean, I think there's reasons to believe they're going to fade, but there's also reasons to think they could be rocky too in this, this battle scenes that we have. So, yeah, I, I think I think the Rocky theme for because I think the Rangers and the Astros are going to be playing out multiple Rocky movies through the rest of this season because I think they're going to go after each other all the way to the end and let's 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 see where we end up. But you know, I think I think the chances are higher that we get into the postseason. I'm not sure if we're going to get into the postseason winning division or not. The Rangers seem to be the the Rangers are having a worse um, month or so than we're having, so that's helping. But uh, we'll see we'll see where it all plays out. Well, I'm one. I I'm the one that thinks they're going to fade. Um, I think I told you just the other day when we met. Fades fades a strong word. I mean, I think they're going to play 500 ball in the second half, um, which is much lower winning percentage than they started off with, which is a credit to them. They earned it. But they're 10 and 16 their last 26. I don't want to make this about the Rangers because we've needed their help, no doubt. Um, I just don't think their hitters can keep doing what they're doing. But enough about the Rangers. This is what it comes down to for me. I'm not talking about trade acquisitions, what we need. I think we catch them if Altuve and Jordan can stay healthy in the second half. I'm not saying we're going to be some world beater. I don't know what we're going to end up doing in the playoffs. I think we catch them if those two play day in and day out in the second half. Um, it sounds to me that Jordan's going to go on a short rehab assignment while we're on the West Coast. It's what it sounded like today. It sounded like um, same with Zerkiti. I've never in my life wanted your kitty back so much. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we definitely need him. And it sounds like Altuve is probably two weeks out. Mm. I don't, I'm just guessing. I'm guessing, you know, reading into stuff. Based on what Dana said in the broadcast, that's what it sounded like. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Um, two weeks. Being, Larry, like two weeks from now or like, Dude, dude, getting stuff from the Astros, Neil. Who knows? You know, yeah, like I, I, it's it sounded more like two weeks, and you start his rehab assignment for okay. all two. Yeah. Right? So yeah, probably, and I, I was right. really hoping for Jordan the first game back, but that that doesn't sound like it's going to happen. But we'll yeah. we'll get into this. We'll get into that here in a minute. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we've documented this is episode eleven. We've documented all the good, the bad, and the ugly. To say that we're two games back with the way the Rangers have played and all the injuries and everything that have, have we played, I, I would have taken it. Um, let's go. Second half is where um, the rubber meets the road with 71 games left. And that that's going to – my temperature check is I'll take the two games back. Didn't like how it ended. Let's take the five days off and – get ready to make some hay on this road trip, which is going to lead me in to one of the reasons why we brought Larry on. And, and I, I do want to say this guys, if you want some data analysis and you want a different perspective, you need to check out Larry's website, Twitter, social medias. Again, before I ever knew who Larry was, 
he was popping up everywhere and I was reading his stuff and, um, you know, he does the extra research and, and backs everything up with numbers. It's made me think about things differently. I don't always agree with him, but a lot of times I do. And I like the fact that he has it backed up. I'm more of the traditionalist. The, I let my eyes do a lot of the talking or what I see, which sometimes is good. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's about the data. And so with that, Larry, I'm going to throw it to you for the topic you wanted to talk about to start off the meat of this podcast. Hey, and before you even, Larry, before you talk, I, I want to just give you props on, because Christian, he, he sent me down your path, and I've read a ton of and And uh, again, just just reiterating what Christian has said, the, the, the number that you put out there is really good makes you think, makes you, uh, I just love your perspective. And again, I, I don't necessarily always say Larry's a hundred percent right, but there's a lot of things that, that make, that you put out there that I appreciate just because it, again, it, it's a different perspective. It's a numbers perspective. It's an analytical thing that, that I think is awesome. And, and so for those of you out there listening, Larry, the GM, again, Facebook, Twitter, anything else, Larry, that I've missed that, that you need his website. LarryGM.com. Yeah, and it's it's some it's some really really good stuff that uh, I've enjoyed, and, and I appreciate that. I just want to make sure I tell you that. Uh, so go ahead, Larry. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks thanks guys for saying that. And so, um, yeah, I know that I can be a little salty sometimes, um, and and a lot of that comes back to like I'm really focused on on trying to trying to derive answers and a perspective. And a lot of times where people say you can't, you can't measure that Larry. And I was like, well, okay. As an engineer, I've only been told that in my chemical plants for the last 30, (laughs) 35 years, I worked 33 year career in the chemical industry. And if I was told we couldn't measure something in my plant, uh, once I was probably told it a hundred times and, and sometimes I couldn't find a way to measure it, and there were scores of times I, I could. And so I've kind of taken that approach with, uh, you know, I've, I've extended that mindset into the way I approach my fandom of baseball. I called my website LairdaGM.com, and I, and I hashtag it, or, I, or I, the slogan related to it is, you know, I'm not I'm not really a GM, but I can help you think like one because I, I try to help people think like what I what I envision, or at least what I what I thought the front office was doing back in the Luno days because Luno was an engineer, and I could feel like I I understand how Jeff Luno is approaching this game, and and then and across this league and the analytic driven uh, era that we're in. I, you know, I'm not saying that what I put out is 100% what the team's looking at. I know they they have 100 times the information I have, but I don't think what I'm providing folks is, you know, I don't think they have data that would necessarily belie what, what I put out there. And they may have a different, uh, that may tweak a little bit of some of the conclusions. Um, and plus, you know, there are there are factors that none of us can really know that as we go about this. So the article I really wanted, and so thanks for that, thanks for that, guys, and thanks for letting me uh, put that out there. And, and you guys can come to the website, LarryToGM.com. You'll see opportunities to sign up for, uh, to be a member of the website. 
opportunities to, to join my uh, Patreon group to help uh, support the website financially. I appreciate that as well. So really the article, when, when, Christian and I, when Christian and I were talking, that I really wanted this fan base to focus upon this month. Because in June, I really felt like the way the schedule was falling, the Astros were on the brink of being in a really bad spot. And I actually put an article out that called June, the season on the brink. And people are like, what are you talking about? Like, guys, if, if things go bad, we're going to be really hurting when we're, when we're facing the Rangers. And, 100%. You know, That's 100% true, too. That was absolutely true. And, and <laughs> you know, it, things, things kind of like played out where neither – they, they didn't get hot, and we didn't get hot. And, you know, we, we basically had the record in June that I said that we were going to have. The, what was different is the Rangers were much worse than I thought they might have been in that, in that month. Well, to me, July is kind of like the flip side of that. If, if June was the season on the brink, July is the golden opportunity month. Well, why is it the golden opportunity month? It's because the Astros play every single team in the division this month. We just got finished with Seattle. We're going to play Texas. We're going to come back from the all-star break and we're going to have, we're going to have the angels. All right. So what does that mean? So let's, what I'd like to do is within that article, I, I walk people through the July schedule and said, what is the opportunity for the Astros this month? So Christian and Neil, I'm going to let you guys tell me where you think the Astros can do Because I know you guys predict every, every week where you think the Astros can do. So let's look at the remaining July schedule and say, what do you think the Astros can do uh, with these series? So they come back from the all-star break and they're going to play the angels. What do you think they play three games with the angels? What do you think is going to happen in those three games? Two and one. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that's what I said too. (laughs) They're going to go to Colorado for two games. What do you think happens in those two games? Two and oh. I, I would say, again, because this is game four, game five, I don't know who we're pitching. You, you're talking about fourth and fifth starters here, so I, I'll be a happy medium of one and one. That's what I said too, Neil. So I was trying to be a little conservative of this to, to see where – Two and oh. Two and oh. <laughs> All right, well – well, which is which is good. You say that, Christian, because we're down. We're, I said they were going to go two and two versus the Mariners, and they're went one and three. So they're they're behind schedule as far as I'm concerned. Uh, then they go to the Athletics, and they again we're going to Oakland. We're playing four in Oakland. How do we do in those four games? Three and one. Agreed. That's what I said as well. Then the Rangers come to town, and this is going to be like. Whatever this was, a Rocky Four, the Rangers come to town. What for three games? What do we do in those three games? Two and one. I'm gonna say two and one again because again, I go by our matchups, and, and not that Javier's been lights out by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, assuming Belak is our five, he he would pitch the opener, and then. Fromber and, and Javier would pitch the, the last two. So I'm, I'm going to say two and one in some combination, and I don't know which combination, who, what game. It's, it's probably safe to assume that they're going to have one of their one of their good pitchers pitching one of those games right. and that they probably have the advantage in that one game. So that's what I said, too, two and one. 
Then we have the rays. And what's interesting is the rays are struggling right now. Now, I don't know what the rays will be doing on July 28th when they come to town, but the rays have been struggling lately. We play three with the rays. What do you think we do in those three games? Two and one. I'm going to hope. I'm going to go positive, too. Like, I'm, this is a, a stretch. I'm going to say two and one, but uh, d- depend. I mean, and this is, I mean, we're two weeks away. Right. They, they're they a lot like we are. They're, they've been ravaged with pitching injuries. Ravaged. So, so I mean, I mean, it's going to be a one and two or two and one deal, that, that, that deal. I mean, it just, I, I, that's what would, it's going to be. I'd be hopeful for a two and one, not so much because of the Rays as much as is Altuve, Jordan, or I mean, who's back for us? Right. I said that I, I, my hope, and when I predicted a two and one in that series, is my hope is that Jordan Alvarez is back for that mm-hmm. series. And I think based on what Dana Brown said, that's, that's probable. And, and, and he keeps talking about Altuve healing so quickly it it's probable that Altuve is back by that by that point so we I actually have that they're both back yeah I think so, Jordan I think I think the target for Jordan I'm just guessing is Oakland to get okay, him some wow. some live pitching before live pitching before the Rangers I mean if that's the case you know I feel pretty good I said 12 and 7 in the in the remainder of July Okay, so I said they were going to be two and two against the Mariners. So by default, I would be at eleven and eight right now. Um, but you know, I I was trying to be fairly conservative with that. So at the end, of, if we if we go back and we say this stretch of games that I was talking about in the articles that the Astros go go twelve and seven, I did the same exercise for the other teams in the division and the other teams that are in the wild card race, right? And the Rangers really have some tough. Series. They play the Dodgers. They play the Rays. They play the Padres. And the Padres are either going to be an extremely desperate team that's actually been pretty hot lately, that is going to be trying to get exert every ounce of their energy to getting into the wild card in the National League, or they will tank. And I don't know which one it's going to be by the end of July. They, but let's assume that they're still they're still going after it. I think the Rangers could be nine and eleven. And in, in the same what, series of games, Larry, what did you have us going? What did you have the Astros going in that that, that same series? Twelve. I, I have versus the Rays. No, or, just no, no. Hold, yeah, the twelve the and seven. Thing. Twelve and okay, seven. And, and, the, and so then I would have had my guess was thirteen and six because right. I said okay. And then so you have the Rangers at eleven and nine. Nine and eleven. Nine, nine, you're, sorry, have, 11. nine and eleven. Trees as well. What's that? Are you counting the Seattle series in this? Yes. No, no I, oh. I did. I did, yes. Okay. I mean, I'm going back to what the version of So okay. people can yeah, go yeah. to the article and they can follow along. I'm just telling you that's what I did in that in that article. It started basically was starting with the games on July, July 6th for the Astros. Gotcha. Um, all right, so the Rangers 9-11, that puts that basically if that happens – we're either tied or we're a game ahead of the Rangers yeah. on July 30th. If that happens, I think the stress on the Rangers 
It, the, I mean, I think they're already kind of stressing out, to be honest with you guys. But I think the stress on the Rangers organization, now that may be good and that may be bad because the Rangers are going to, I guarantee you, the Rangers are going to make whatever trades and what, trade whatever assets they feel like they need to trade to be able to put themselves in the massively better spot. They may trade for three more relief pitchers if they think that's what they need. They may trade for another starting pitcher just so we can't get that starting pitcher. Um, just, just 100%. The, the, so it's going to be like the golden opportunity in July is not only the Rangers, because we could, we could literally be tied with them, but we could also, I, the record I predicted for the, the Angels was 8-10. and 10. And mm-hmm. my hope was that the Angels would therefore be so far behind that they would not be buyers at the trade deadline. They would be sellers at the trade deadline. And my hope was also that we would have gone three and one versus, uh, well, I said two and two, but I was hoping for three and one against the Mariners, and we would have put them in a position to be sellers at the trade deadline. Now, it's going to be really interesting because the Mariners are kind of hot right now. It's going to be interesting to see how they how they play out the rest of the month. But the Mariners GM is is you know he's a trading fool, right? He's yep. he's got more trades than even I got on my website. All right, so um, it will be interesting to see what what they actually do. Do they go for? It? Do these teams go for it, or do they bail out? If if the the Mariners and the Angels bail out. And I think the Angels are I, with with Trout being hurt. And I don't I don't know when Trout's coming back. I don't know if you guys know, but four four to I, four to six weeks. Yeah, so he's not. He, Mike Trout being gone is worse than Alvarez being gone for us. Um, mm. the, I mean, I think there's, but we let's say we can weather that storm better than they can. Okay, that's fair. I'll, I'll give you that. That I agree with. And so that those, if those teams are out of it, the pathway to the to the Astros winning this division and actually being in a good position for the postseason dramatically increases. And that's what the whole golden opportunity this month was about. The fact that we play these teams this month, we have the opportunity to cause them to go a different direction at the trade deadline. Now, I would say that we failed that with the Seattle Mariners. Now, maybe someone else can help us uh, with Seattle, like the Blue Jays or the Diamondbacks or even the Twins. But, you know, we'll see how it plays out. uh, And that's that's who the Mariners open up with when they leave? Uh, the, The Mariners come back with the Tigers, so that's not good. Then they got the Twins, and I think the Twins are going to be Twins are going to be an interesting team to watch because they're going to be fighting for their their division. And then they've got the Blue Jays. Then they got the Twins again. So the Twins can be our friends with 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 the Mariners and then the Diamondbacks. So, okay. What's your gut feeling on the AL Central teams in making trades? Do you, do you feel like these guys? are gonna fight for this knowing that they're in the in the behind the eight ball so to speak? I don't know. I don't I don't I don't really think so, Neil. I don't I don't think like the twins or the guardians are gonna be sellers. Right. I don't I don't think they're gonna be buyers. The the interesting ones out there are like what are the tigers gonna do? 
Like the Tigers so, are within within so. the within shouting distance, but I think they're going to sell, yeah. right? So I think everybody else other than the Guardians and the Twins are likely in sell mode. The White Sox, as you guys know from my trade articles, are one of the teams I would really like to be in. Like I'd love the I love the White Sox to just say we'll sell everything, including yeah. players that we, they shouldn't really sell. And 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 start all over, um, but you know it. That would be that's what's going to be fascinating. Is like who the, the one of the themes for this month, and I'll, I'll give. And I don't want to go too long with this, but one of the themes for this month is who really is buying and who really is selling. Yep. Because it a lot of that's been up in the air up to this point, and I think you know coming out of the you know Dana said like. A lot of these teams have been focused on the draft. Well, coming out of the draft, they're going to be really focused, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting who chooses to do what based on because honestly, getting in in, in the in the playoffs as the third division winner is not all that great because you essentially you're still in a wild card round, right? Yep, so that's exactly I, right. If, if you're the Twins and you're the third division. You're the third seed because you win the division. Yeah, you've got the it, you've got that wild card series, you know, at home, or you know, you've got the home field advantage in the wild card series. But you're still playing somebody like the Orioles or or, or the, the Yankees or the the Blue Jays, and or the Rangers or the Astros in that series. The 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 the, the wild card team that the Twins end up playing in that wild card round is probably a better team. Than they are, so it's yeah. It, so it's interesting I, how it all plays out. It is. I I'm a fan of the extra wild card now because it allows more teams in, but I'm not a fan because it it takes forever to designate. Everyone thinks they're still in it, and so it takes forever to designate the buyers and the sellers. The one team yeah. I'm watching, and this is also a reference to one of your articles, Larry, because this is the one to me that I like the most. Um, and there's reasons why, and, and we won't be able to go through all of them, but I'm watching the Padres um, because they're five under before today. I don't know what they did today. Um, they're so they not. Today. Okay, so they're four under. They're four, four below 500. They're going to fight for that wild card. The problem is they've got two teams to cross. I mean, they've got both Diamondbacks and the Dodgers in that division, so that's likely not going to happen. But I would really – I. I I don't think we'll be able to get both. Uh, your article referenced a great trade with Hader and Snell. Uh, man, I would take both. I would take both those right great. now, depending on what the cost was. But at this point, I would take just one of them. Like, like I would love the Padres to be sellers and get one of those. If we get both, great. Um, but uh, those are the two that I would really love on this team. This team needs more left-handed pitchers, power pitchers. Larry, talk about. About that trade that you proposed with the with the Padres. So remember, remember, they've got to figure out their sellers or you know they're going to sell first. That's the thing. Yeah, I know that's the, that was just a preamble to that trade. Like it's like I, I don't even know if this team's selling, but yep. but if they do, um, it, it it could be a great trade. So now I know that half of this fan base from for like every day in almost a year. Half of this fan base has been attacking one of our center fielders, but I will tell you there there is 
there is a lot of value of the two guys we have placed in your field, uh, McCormick and Myers. And Myers was hurt a lot last year, and he's in a funk right now. But Myers, you know, he could break out of that funk and be just, you know, average. I'll say this about Jake Myers. He would be a great fourth outfielder for most teams to have. And a defensive replacement, a player that can put in the game and close out, be be essentially the closer in the outfield. And so Jake Myers, according to the Trade Values website, has a lot of value. And now pinning the premium, so this is where it's important. How many teams are actually selling and how many teams are actually buying? Because does the does the playoff model that we currently have actually does the number three or number four or number five seed actually or do, do do anybody other than the teams headed to the number one and two seeds really buy or they or, or and I think there's some of them like the Rangers are gonna buy and I think no, the I, Orioles are they absolutely the Orioles, are. The Orioles are going to buy because these teams haven't been into the postseason. They they are going to buy, 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 and buy. And the and, problem and is, so, like, and, what and price so are the they going to pay? And, yeah, so well, the Yankees. I, I'm not. I think the Yankees will, but I'm I'm not even. I feel like the Yankees might do. You know, they might do the Chapman type deals. Like, hey, we'll sell this guy, and we'll, but we'll sign him back next year. Um, so if they if they get caught, like. This is why this is why the month of July is going to be so fascinating for baseball fans. Pay attention to all these teams in the in the postseason race, guy. Pay attention to all these teams in the wild card to see who gets hot, who gets cold. If somebody if somebody gets in a a six or seven game losing streak, that literally could change the entire course that that team takes in the next in the next four weeks. So yeah, the, I mean, the, the, the go ahead, Neil. Yeah, I, I don't mean to cut you off. The, the coming out of the All-Star break, I mean, for a ton of teams, yeah. break teams means so much. And, and and how it affects the rest of the year. I mean, I, I'm picking up on what you're saying is that th- those first six games, those first seven, eight games, uh, how that impacts general managers in this league and the direction that they feel like they need to go. I mean, because again, the death is August 1st, correct? Yes. I, yes. I mean, you, you play your first, uh, I mean, everybody starts off on, on Friday after the all-star break. I, I think, I don't know, maybe there's some Thursday games, but, uh, I mean, and, and that from Friday the, the 14th when we play the Angels to Friday the, the 21st when we're in the A's, I mean, how many things change in that time span is going – I mean, I agree a thousand percent how, how this is going to change so many people's outcomes and, and from buyers and sellers like you were saying, but even if you're, even if you're a buyer – you, you may not get the guy that you want. Right. You know, and, and how that affects who gets what. I mean, does the Rangers get somebody to, does the Orioles get somebody? I mean, how that affects the whole nature of the second half of the, of the season is, it is, it really is amazing. I, I mean, the, the rest of the month is amazing. Yeah, it is. The, the Padres will not need a defensive center fielder. They've got Trent Grisham. That's the issue right. I have. 
Well, right, but they they may they may you know play Myers at other spots in the outfield to fill in. Yeah, but you know what AJ Preller, the GM, is going to say? He's going to say, "Give me, give me Chaz." Well, I mean, so the issue really, right? And it, he might, and that's going to be a whole other can of worms, right? But the 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 issue for the, the, them and the Hater and the Snell of it all is both of those guys are rentals. Right. And so yeah. getting back to your question, Neil, like why, why would the Padres, well, the Padres tried to shed some, shed some payroll that they, they can save some money in the last two months of the year. Uh, they can get, they, they can actually say, Hey, uh, Blake Snell, we'll, we'll, we'll send you to the Astros, but the, the, that, we definitely want to resign you. Right. They literally will do the do si do that the, that no. the Yankees did with Chapman. Right. And so I can see that happening, but, um, you know, I the the biggest problem I have right now when I when I propose and I've proposed lots of deals. You can go to the website and you see all the different trades that are on there. Um, it's like knowing what the premium price is going to be paid. That starts with understanding who's really buying, who's really selling. Because two te- the two of the teams are the most fascinating. The the Padres are one, and the Mets are another. These mm-hmm. are teams that are loaded from a from a projected WAR standpoint. For, like the Padres are going. Like, Top five team in projected war the rest of the season, and and yet they're they're, they're so f- below performance so far. It's 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 wild. And like what are the Mets really going to bail and are they really going to sell or are they are they just going to stand pat? It doesn't you know. So like these teams that that you know even the projections say they could be better. They're they're starting from so far behind. It's it's yep. gonna be a you know the, the the standings are pretty pretty wild right now, but the standings could get even wilder as as the season goes out. So that's why it's all interrelated. That's why it's a golden opportunity. That's why like the 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 performance on the field in these games with the, the division foes can be, at least turn two teams. The Astros can control at least two teams not being buyers, and that could be really helpful. Yep. Agreed. Yep. I mean, it, it, the time is now. Uh, it's a great read. Check out his website, LarryTheGM.com. Um, there's multiple articles on there. I've read about 15 of them. Um, I've got more that I need to follow up on. But hey, now, hey, now, Christian, there's 200 articles about the Astros, so you can you can. Okay, I've done 15. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I've done 15. <laughs> I, I talk about two and a half years of them, so two years of them. So it's great. It's great stuff. It, it really is. So thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. And and so, what did we decide on? We, you decided on thirteen and seven with the Mariners. That would, that's what the prediction is. I think no, you said twelve go, and seven. I said thirteen and six. Right. I think they're going to go twelve and seven because I I'm just going to believe that I'm going to I want to turn and I want to look at this at, on on July thirtieth and say, okay, I didn't get a hundred percent right because I said they were doing better against the Mariners, but somewhere along the way, they're gonna they're gonna be some upside, especially if we get Altuve. And and uh, uh, Alvarez back for it all. So all right. Well, we and got if, they, if they go tw- if they go twelve and seven, guys, it's gonna it's gonna be a really good month. It's gonna be a good. Month. I agree. I agree. Yep. All right. Well, now we're gonna transition to the dome phone player of the week. Um, and I'm gonna lead off with Neil. Um, Larry requested that he goes live, so I will not be batting the power slot third this time. So Neil. For the Dome Phone Player of the Week, who you got? So I'm going to go Corey Jolks. And, you know, we 
So looking at his stats, and I mean, again, this this guy, I, I often talk about how big uh, Mauricio Dubon has been for the Astros in the absence of multiple guys, especially Altuve, obviously. Uh, but with, with, with Jolks stepping into the role of filling in for Jordan in his absence, the, the guy has, has overshot expectations, and, and specifically this week in the fact of, so last seven games, batting 440, 11 hits, four runs. The, the, the like, weird part, is, and again, this is <laughs> where he's slotted, but I, I get it. He's only got two RBIs in the last seven games, but uh, three stolen bases. He, he's got he's got a uh, stolen base. Or he, he's got a little bit of, of a knack for that. And I'm just thinking that that guy has done some really really good things for us in the absence of Jordan. And so he, he's my dome phone player of the week. So I, I buy. Your uh, Corey Jolson, don't phone. Yeah, he's. I mean, he he's getting hits. Um, I I think he's getting hits when no one's on because no one's ever on in front of him. Ever. I don't know. I yeah, I don't know. And that that says more about the whole team offense than does anything else. I mean, but he's but been his, only five twenty. So I I, I will yeah. say there's. I don't want to say he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but uh, he is on base, you know, and so he's 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 setting himself up for Maldonado <clears throat> and uh, those guys behind him. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I mean, he's 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 on base. We need that. Uh, other guys need to do their part, man. Yeah, so I, I don't know where to go. I know Larry wanted to go last. Um, I'm going to go with someone I don't expect to ever give this to. So may, this might be Larry's. I don't know that it is. If it is, Larry gets to find figure out someone else. But because it's such a horrendous week of offense, with the exception of the Monday game, um, and I think what we scored six one game against the Rockies. I'm going Brandon Belak. Nice. He pitched two games. Uh, the first game he got the win, pitched really well. Um, today he 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 didn't pitch great, <laughs> but the whole inning was started by Jeremy Pena, who's a conversation for another day that I want to have with somebody because I'm so frustrated with Jeremy Pena. The ball was hit right to him, drops it, and starts the inning. Now, a lot of that's going to be like he got hit hard. But going up and down in the minors and the majors, um, and look, he's done exactly what he needs to do this week is keep us in the ball game. He doesn't hit for us, so I'm not going to hope that doesn't get held against him. So my dome foam for the week is someone that I never thought I'd buy a dome foam for, so I'm going to do it this week because it's probably the last time I ever will. Hopefully not. So Brandon Belak. Gets my dome foam of the week. That's that's a good one though. I mean, imagine being him up down. You're not good enough. You're you're no enough. no doubt. I mean, the, the, no doubt. And 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 if Pena and I, and it's what is it's baseball. But if Pena feels that ball that was hit right into his glove, who knows what happens in that inning today? 
Sure. You got to be able, you got to be a pro and be able to overcome that. But that was such a routine ground ball. I so I'm so frustrated with with Pena. All right, Larry, you my get the you get, you get the honorary award of the Dome Foam Player of the Week. So who you got? My Dome Foam Player of the Week is Jose Altuve, because <laughs> if there was ever a week. That we should see the value of Jose Altuve on this team. Yeah. It's this week. We lose the guy for this a week, and we can't score any more runs. Yeah, it's, spot on. It's, it's just like people when you when you have a Hall of Famer on your roster, and you just are so used to just having that guy around. And when he's not there, you realize, oh heck, I don't. I'm trying to keep it PG for you, Christian. Oh sure. heck, we we don't have our all our our Hall of Famer, and we kind of suck offensively when we don't. Oh, we that's one hundred percent spot on. That's a great one. You're right. I wasn't going to take that one, but I, I you know, and luckily um, Dusty's figured out that Batman. Put him back leadoff spot, but he, he is the heart and soul and everything of this team. And you're 100 correct. Dubon has been a lot allotted on this podcast for what he's done. He never needs to bat above second, and he needs to be bat the bottom. He, he's I coming in. Some, I would I'd well no, I bet him eight. I bet him eight in front of Maldonado if he's playing. But we know. I'd, I'd have Maldonado bat eighth and then and let Dubon bat ninth. And that way, when Maldonado makes the last out inning, we're starting all over with another guy getting it on base. Fair. I just wouldn't have Maldonado turn, playing, I'll... period. <laughs> we know where I stand on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you're right. But, you're, but, but your dome phone is dead on. I mean, he means, he means so much. I, God, we need him back. Um, it's a, a, stat, a stat that I saw that him and Alvarez have played 13 games together this year. And so my dome, games. Phone, my dome phone player for the month is Jordan Alvarez for all the same yeah. reasons. Yeah, there. Because everything changes when we have those two back. And let's just hope that, you know, let's just hope that the improved Abreu that we've seen, days improved and, you know, the other players don't don't just wait. Sit back and wait for Alvarez to save them again. We everybody contributes. Christian, you said Altuve and Jordan have played how many? Thirteen games together in the lineup this year. Thirteen games. That's insane. Insane. That's a crazy stat. All right, we're gonna move on to normally. This is my part where I do the prospect of the week, but since the draft is currently going on. I'm going to highlight who we picked in the first round. We actually should have our second pick either done or it should be happening any moment. The first two rounds were tonight. Um, rounds three through 10 are tomorrow, and then 11 through 20 are on Tuesday. Um, the Astros selected Bryce Matthews out of the University of Nebraska, middle infielder, short second um, center fielder. Hopefully he stays in the middle infield. Um, they, he's from uh, Tascacita. Uh, near Humble, near Houston, so he's a local kid. So I'm sure they agreed to terms with him beforehand, um, probably trying to save some slot money, which 
I don't always agree. I mean, I don't always agree with the pick. I, I, I'll put this on the podcast. I wanted Yolandi Morales. So when he turns into Nolan Arnato one day, I can say that that's who I wanted because he was there, the third baseman out of Miami, um, light tower power, but they went another direction. Cause I think what they tried to do is well, what they've done before is save money to try to draft someone later to, to over slot and to get them to go come sign with the Astros and not go to college. So, It'll be interesting to watch Bryce, Bryce Matthews. He had a great uh, this year this year. Um, he's on a – if you're familiar with the 80-20 the scale, 80's perfect grade in the scouting baseball world, 20's terrible. You don't need to play baseball anymore. He is um, 60. His highest rank is 60 in power, so he has some raw power. He's um, 50 in everything else. I think he was 55 in speed. Looks like an athlete. I've watched some film on him earlier. Um, before I was preparing for this podcast. Again, you know, hopefully someone will be fighting for a slot in the big league roster in three years. That's the goal with these college hitters. ton of college hitters and uh, went off the board um, early. And so um, we'll see. Hopefully, I think now what they're going to do, I think the plan is going to be to get pitching. They need it. I think they're going to load up on pitching and rounds three, probably second round pick through 10. There'll be a lot of pitchers. Um, because we are we are a void of, of pitching prospects in the minor league, so I would I would look to do that, and hopefully we find some some uh, diamonds in the rough, and we find some guys that project to be uh, big league middle of the rotation guys. So that's the prospect report. I'm waiting for the second round pick to hit, um, and then we move this segment on to the throwback player of the week. That is Neil's segment. I do want to say that. As of next week, we have we are fortunate enough to have a sponsor for this um, segment that we will announce next week, and we're also going to move to YouTube and video next week, most likely. Um, we've been very fortunate, and as Neil likes to say, hashtag blessed because you put a hashtag on it, it means more. To have a couple of sponsorships sponsor the podcast. So, with that being said, Neil. Here's the your your turn for the throwback player of the week. All right, so we're gonna do this week's throwback player of the week is uh, obviously gonna end up being a fan favorite. He's a guy that's got his number retired at Raptors of Midnight, but it's uh, Jose, aka Cheo Cruz. Cruz. Right. I mean, growing up, th- this is a guy that. Again, we became true. I mean, we we took the bait early '80s, right? The uh, Astros buddies, Astro buddies from uh, I'm going to throw out like '83, '84 ish, and watching Astros on HSC, the home sports entertainment, entertainment. Yep, Bill Worrell and and. Uh, you know, still listening on the radio in those days to Milo and all those guys. But uh, at that time, one of those guys that that threw the hook out and we 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 took was was Jose Cruz. So wanted to to give Cruz his his due diligence here and and shout out on the the Dome Foamers. But Jose, born August eighth, nineteen forty seven. He's a Puerto Rico guy. Uh, originally, he signed with the St. Louis. Cardinals right after high school uh, in 1966 and eventually made his call up in 1970 
with with the Cardinals. So from seventy one to seventy four, Cruz is mid seventy one. He he becomes a basically a regular with the Cardinals, and and over those from seventy one to seventy four, basically he he was a two seventy four hitter, uh, three thirty three on base, and three seventy nine slug guy. Uh, so in seventy four, the Astros went eighty one and eighty one. And so the team traded, and Larry, you may remember this better than any of us, but uh, a guy named Lee May, he was the first Mason mm-hmm. for the Astros. They traded yeah. him to uh, Baltimore Orioles. And what that allowed us to do, us being the Astros, allowed them to move the great Bob Watson to first base so that we could put Cruz into the outfield, the, the left field position. So at the end of the 74 season that happened. And so 75 opening day Cruz starts in, in actually right field and ended up hitting in his first game, a three run Homer for the Astros in, in a, in a big win to start off the season. So in 75, he goes, he, he's batting 257, 358 on base, 403 slugging, uh, 81, it's 52 walks. And, so he, he essentially builds his career. And, and, and again, one of the things as I went through this was how Cruz was a little underappreciated in his offensive abilities because of the dome. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's limited in, in, in that aspect and his appreciation. And also because he's, Puerto Rican, and he's also kind of in the shadows of Roberto Clemente during this time. And so, again, he, he's an exceptional player, but at that time, not necessarily, I don't want to say underappreciated necessarily, but just a guy in the shadows, so to speak. So he, he's with the Astros in 74. Fast forward, let's go to 1980. 1980 was a big year for uh, the Astros and Jose Cruz. He plays in 160 games, and big part of him, and we've talked about this before in the, in the throwback player of the week, how the, Do- the Dodgers and Astros play the last series of the year. The Dodgers win. They have to play a tiebreaker there, and the Astros end up winning uh, the tiebreaker in L.A., which then they go to play the Phillies, and uh, what a great series that was, and and, and Jose Cruz, big factor in, in that series where we ended up, I mean, just a close series where he uh, he was a factor. 81, uh, continued his success. Fast forward to 83, which his career high batting average of 318. He had an on-base percentage of 385, slugging of 463, which puts him at a, a OPS of 848. So you think about a guy that in today's era of, 848 OPS, and you, you're talking about an all-star caliber type player. Uh, and Neil, Neil, that was at age 35, age 35 that year, and he steals, and he steals 30 bases at age 35. Wow! In addition to all those other things. And so that's about the time where you know Christian and I start paying attention. You know, we're, we're aware of yeah. who the are and and following guys. So. You know, you can imagine as a, a young kid watching somebody and it, it being Jose Cruz and him doing these things, you know. So for, 
for Christian and I, especially growing up watching the Astros and and just loving those those guys at that age, what Jose Cruz meant to us. I mean, that that's the equivalent of a, a seven eight year old looking at Jordan and Altuve these days. And and so that's what we're looking at. So that that's that's amazing. Uh, 84, he's playing 160 games. So you're saying, if Larry, you're saying he's 35 and 83. So 36 year old, he's playing 160 games on that AstroTurf, too. No doubt. And batting 312, hitting uh, on base 381, 462, OPS, or uh, slugging 95 RBIs, 22 stolen bases. Got the, uh, he finished eighth in the MVP voting that year, Silver Slugger Award, finally in 85, All-Star, uh, 86, 87, you can start to see the decline in Alt- in, uh, Altuve, in uh, Jose, and, you know, 86 obviously was the year that we we go to the playoffs, and, and but he struggled that year. So 86 and 87, you can start to see the decline. Uh, after the 87 season, the Astros let him go. He actually signs with the Evil Empire, the Yankees, plays 38 games with them, and they eventually released him. So overall, Cruz played 13 seasons with the Astros. Uh, he, when he left the Astros, he was the club's all-time leader in games played, hits, RBIs, triples. And Cruz was the top three all-time in eight other offensive categories. Jersey retired in 92, making him one of the first six Astros uh, with that honor. Cruz was also uh, another cool stat was Cruz was a part of the Astros' first nine postseason appearances. So as a player, 80, 81, and 86, and then six as the coach, 97, 98, 99, 01, and then 04 and 05 uh, when he was our first base coach. As a player, Player in postseason, he hit 400 uh, in the 1980 NLCS. Cruz represented the Astros in the MLB All-Star Game in 80 uh, in Los Angeles and then 85 in Minnesota. He finished third in the NL, uh, NL MVP in the 80, 1980, sixth in 83, eighth in 84. So he's a guy that, you know, as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, he, he's a, he's a big-time player. At, during that era, I mean, definitely a, a, a very relative. Uh, he's played. He would, have, he would have raked in Minute Maid. Oh my gosh, the porch, golly! He just he would have raked the gaps yeah, the, and everything. He, he would have raked. There's no doubt. Um, I uh, I walked up to him years ago at Minute Maid. He was standing just overlooking watching the game, and I, I walked up to him and shook his hand and talked to him for like 10 minutes. Was the nicest guy just to sit there and talk to. Um, obviously, his kids all played. Some played, got drafted. Most of them played at Rice. His son coaches, is the head baseball coach at Rice now. Um, and everyone that I know in the baseball world, I have a scouting buddy, everyone in the Houston area, raves about what a good dude he is just a really good guy no doubt uh you know just a few more tidbits cruz was inducted to the hispanic heritage baseball baseball museum hall of fame on september in 2002 uh 
He was inducted as part of an inaugural class of the Astros Hall of Fame in 2019. So the, the first class of just true, we're retiring Houston Astros in 2019. He was part of that. Uh, another cool stat, Cruz batted 299 or better. Think about this, okay? He batted basically 300 or better seven times in his 13 career, career years with the Astros. Uh, but the team in batting average six times and home runs three times, uh, RBIs seven times. He was named the most valuable player four times and only appeared in the, in the All-Star game twice. Uh, during the span, he was one of the best and most unheralded hitters in the game. So in a 13-year actual history, his average was 292, 359 uh, on-base percentage, 429 slugging, which puts him at a 789 OPS. And like you said, the, as a kid growing up watching him and going to the games, when you when Jose walked up the bat, and I don't think there were walk-up songs and all that garbage there, but when Jose Cruz came up the bat and you were a young kid and you got to holler, Cruz! <laughs> In 1986... We, me and you were in second grade at Our Lady of Victory School. Shout out, Eagles. Cool, cool. My second, my second grade birthday party was me, you, and Skylar Swain Man. at the Astros game in 86. And that was in the heyday of Jose Cruz. A great year for the Astros. That's just a little throwback how long we've been fans and going to games. So, um, yeah. under, totally underappreciated. Uh, one of the phenomenal hitter, probably you probably could add 50 to 75 points on, on his OPS slug on, you know, if he played in minute made, um, as over his career, as opposed to the Astrodome, but man, the guy could run throw. I mean, he was, he, he was, he was a hell of a player. You actually make your, the breakdown tells me he's even better than I thought he was. And I thought he was pretty good. Um, I, I forgot, you know, when you start spitting out, um, and, and especially even with the Cardinals, like the, the Cardinals still recognize him as one of the best outfielders that they've had in their history. Top, I, I think it was like top 15 outfielders of all time. Um, so just say a guy that as Astro fans, we appreciate, but you and I probably appreciate him more just because of our age and, and what yep. he was. Not, not being able to process numbers and whatnot, but uh, looking back today and, and connecting his numbers with, with the rest of the world today, I mean, what, what a dude. Yeah, one of the things I'll say about Cruz is he, he somewhat epitomizes what baseball was. I mean, if you kind of, like, can immerse yourself in, his, in these numbers, right, like, the the lack of strikeouts relative to the strikeouts in the game today, the, the getting, on, getting on base, the stolen bases, the high batting average, the relative like you know the I think the most home runs he has in a year is looks like it's seventeen, right? That's a great player in the Astrodome, right? <laughs> seventeen home runs in the Astrodome is pretty dang good, but yeah. the, just to just to realize. The difference. I mean, if you if you watched a game with Jose Cruz in any of that like late seventies to eighty six time frame, 
and you watched a game today, those are those are vastly different games. The the yeah. way the the baseball game was played in the late seventies, early eighties, especially in the National League with the pitcher and yep. the the small ball that had to be played in those days, relative to like we just we get two guys on. I do love. We just hope for a three-run home run. Now I do love the fact that the stolen bases are coming back. Um, I, I, I do like that. It adds an element of excitement to the game, you know, that we grew up on. I do like that. Neil, any other thing on Jose? No, that's that's uh, man. He he he's a guy that just deserves more recognition than he's been given, and. You know, he's up in the rafters, but I, I just feel like, you know, I feel like I want to tell my son more about him. You know, I, I feel like there's Astro fans out there today who, you know, how different is, is Jose Cruz than Kyle Tucker? You know, and, and so I just, I, I want to make sure that the people out there understand what Jose was and what he our organization in the early well, 80s. Well, currently, currently, let's, and this was, we got to go quick here, but currently, wouldn't he be, I'm talking about currently, I'm talking about as of today, not projections, anything else, wouldn't he be one of the outfielders on the all-time Astros team? He'd have to be. You're going to fight. What am I going to fight? BGO, is he an outfielder? No, he's second baseman. Bregman. Bregman? Bregman's third baseman. Bergman. All right. Sorry. That's um, Bergman. Well, it depends. Yeah. Jordan's either a DH or an outfielder, and, and, Bregman's, and Bergman's the other. I, I, I'll tell you this. It, you're going to have to dig. You're going to have to convince me that he's not. I, I would definitely tell you that. Based on those numbers – you have Jordan as as an outfielder or Berkman. The other is the DH, correct? Correct. Uh, without putting a whole lot of numbers into it, yes, I, I would say. I mean, how, how could you leave a guy like Jose Cruz? He, his name's in the Raptors for a reason. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right now. I'm gonna go real fast. We don't have a lot of time. I, mean, I want to wrap this thing up at a, at a fair time, and I've got a question for y'all. Okay. Okay, catcher. All-time catcher? Yeah. Maldonado? Or, uh, uh, am I taking yours? <laughs> the, the, the answer for the sake of this argument is Craig Biggio. Okay, so he's done. What? Are you, are you saying Biggio, as a catcher, can't use him again? Correct. Okay. First base? Bagwell. Correct. Oh, Brainerd. Second base. Base second. Correct. Correct. Shortstop. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Pro, I mean, that's, that's, that's the answer. I mean, yes. Third, third it, it, no, it's not even close. I have my issues with Correa, but it's not even close. It's Correa. I mean, this should, it's, it, that and catcher are the two worst positions in the Astros history. We know that. Third base. Bregman. I'll yep. say Bregman. 
gotta be yeah it's it's gotta be i mean people will argue cam and Eddie or somebody like that but it's it's really no yeah it is and it's also bregman because of his postseason as well i mean he's just been clutch i mean that's bregman left left field jordan or bergman correct i mean whichever one right because one's got to be dh and one's got to be outfield Moises Alou, is he in your ballpark? No, no, not not as an not as an, an Astro. He had some good years, but he, his numbers don't add up to those two. Okay. Center field. Okay, here's where here's here's the problem, guys. It's probably really Cesar Cedeno. Could be. Yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be made over Cruz. Yeah. For that, they're for that basic, longevity, they're basically the same player. Well, if they're the same player, then I'm taking Jose Cruz. This Larry, though, then why isn't Cesar? Why isn't he retired? Why isn't his number retired? Is it longevity? Is it fan favorite? Is it all of the time? So hey, Cruz, Cruz. Cruz has the numbers to to be not just a fan favorite. He proved it. Well, so Daniel has a 805 OPS as an Astro. What's his okay? What's his career? Give me his career slash line as an Astro. 289, 351, 454, 805 OPS. That's it's good. Slight, it's slightly better than Cruz. I was like by those standards. But I mean it, it's a Cruz fielder. How many how many stolen bases did Cruz have? So Daniel's got four hundred and eighty-seven. Part that's of that's the lot. nature of the game. Yeah, it is. Neil, how many does Cruz have his career? I uh my internet here in South Texas is struggling. Okay. <laughs> I mean that's but that's a great argument. Yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the guy that I grew up watching Cruz, but I think so there th- there's yeah, but there's but no, that's a fair point. I mean, if that's the argument, then what would would Springer get kicked out? Uh, so that's my next question: Where where is Springer in right field, or, or who is the right fielder? Could be Sedano and Cruz, Sedano, Jose Cruz, and Jordan. So you were saying stolen bases by Cruz. I mean, I guess you could, yeah, because he had he he had Sedano stuff. Uh, Three seventeen for a career. Yeah. So maybe it's Sedano and Cruz. Technically, I guess you you don't have to put Jordan there because he hadn't done it yet. But I mean, he's going to go down as the greatest hitter of all time, in my opinion. Him or Bagwell, and of the Astros. Yeah, it's a, it's a good. Uh... Thought provoking. That's good. All right, something to think. Something to think about. All right, we're we're getting near the end here. So I want to. I want to do. I'm not big on on first half awards. I think all that stuff's stupid. It's in the past because I don't care. So, I'm, but I do want to ask a question. I want everyone to have one. So I'm gonna put you on the spot, and I'm gonna start with Mieski. Okay. Give me a second half. Give me a second half prediction. I don't care what it is of the Astros. I don't care if it's about a player, a team, a, t- a team award. I want you to – we have 71 games. I Give me – and if, if, if you have more than one, that's fine. 
Give me a second half prediction for the Astros. Man, this is there, there's a lot of ways to go on this. Obviously, I'm gonna say as a team. I'm gonna say because your I'm I'm gonna say <laughs> God dang I'm gonna say Jordan and Altuve come back healthy, and I'm gonna say we're gonna win ninety five games. That's a lot. Wow. So, and I'm I'm basing that off of again Jordan healthy, Altuve healthy, and Dana Brown making a significant trade. So if if those three things don't happen, that's uh that that's a uh, not not realistic. So I, I'm I'm gonna go super optimistic because hopefully if I'm wrong everybody will forget about this. <laughs> nope. You know I won't. So I'm gonna say nine we're gonna win ninety-five games as a team. Okay. I love it. Larry? I was gonna say the Astros finish. I am gonna be shockingly consistent. Because I said before the season they were gonna win ninety-two games and win the division by a few games. They're gonna win. They're gonna win 92 games and win the division by a few games, nice. because that's where I think I think that's where they're set up to be. I think if if you know those players, if the players come back, I mean, I I assume we're gonna trade for some a bat. I mean, I think we're gonna get a left field uh, timeshare that can DH a left-handed bat that can. You know, bad in this lineup, six or seven. Is it going to be Cody Bellinger? I don't think it's going to be Cody Bellinger. I mean, you guys saw the trade that I made for him. Yeah. But um, the problem is, I got it. When he when doesn't I will, fit into this with team, he does not fit. I, I'll have another round of trades that I'll put out like the week week before the trade deadline, when I actually know if if the Giants are sellers. That could be a really good thing, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, I want I want Jock on this team, but then they started playing better than us, and I, I kind of let that go. But Jock would be incredible on this team. Yeah. But all right, so mine is I've got record, and then I've got a player. My record is is close. It's funny we're all like within a couple. I think we're going to go uh, forty three and twenty eight in the second half, and we're going to win ninety three games. Um. I think we're going to win the division, of course, like, like both of y'all said, if you get out okay. Tuve and Alvarez back. You're, you're overlapping your previous prediction, which is fine. What do you mean? Because there was a couple of weeks ago where you said that the Astros would not win the division, which is fine. I did. That, that was three weeks ago. Do you know how, how we were playing three weeks ago? Three, the yeah, Rangers, and the Rangers had the Ranger before he could say that. Exactly, and that's what the Rangers do. They like the Rangers. <laughs> and I, I predicted that we would not make the playoffs. So I'm okay with you changing. I just want to make sure. Yep. This- yeah, that's fair. I, I, look, I didn't think we would play. He is, and he, but he's fair. He's fair because I'm going to do the same thing to him because he said he, we weren't either. So 
No, that's that's fair. I mean, we've talked about this, how stuff changes week to week. Yep. I did not think we would play – I don't even like using the word well because I don't think we played well, except we played well against the team up north. Um, look, we've had a lot of help. Let's be honest here. If they played 500 ball and not – You're looking a lot worse. Yeah, and, and, and not going 10 and 16, this would be a different conversation. But So we've had help. So thank you, because that's what they do. The Rangers are going to rain. But we need to step it up in the second half. So I'm predicting 43 and 28 before I got called out by Neil. So that would be 93 wins. I think we end up winning the division because I think the Rangers come back to earth. And I think Jose Altuve goes completely bonkers in the second half. I think he goes bonkers. What those numbers are, I don't know. I have a feeling he is pissed. He's pissed that he missed the first six weeks. He's he he, he is a guy. He is a guy that has been a team guy all the way through everything from two World Series to the Manfred crap. He he wears it on his sleeve. I think he is about to go haywire in a good way. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right too. So with that being said, Larry, I want to thank you again for uh, being a special guest on our podcast. Please go check out his website. His stuff is great. Again, we I use it every week to prepare for this. I wanted to make sure he gets his credit because he does a heck of a job with some of with the data that he does. Um, and so, Larry, thank you again. You're welcome. Um, thank to, you. to, to Brian, who's not here, I hope you're enjoying your Guinness and your Jameson and your Irish whiskey. Um, enjoyed the castle that I saw pictures of that you were in last night. I hope you're having fun. Not really. I hope you're having a terrible time. And with all that, oh, we're going to video most likely next week. We're going to go over to YouTube. You'll get, we'll send all that out. Um, that's the goal is to go to you, to go to a YouTube channel next week. We have some things that we're adding. Um, please like, share, follow, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell people like Larry, tell Larry to tell people. And boys, with that being said, Go Strohs. Go Strohs.